Hello, hello, Braveful listeners. Hope you're having a wonderful summer. Um, Welcome to season two of Braveful, a podcast for achieving women. I am super excited to be kicking it off with the Reverend Corby Mitleid. She is an intuitive, she is a medium, psychic medium, and just downright salt of the earth, tells it like it is, and really gave me an insight into you know, what a medium is, what an intuitive is at a different level. And so I hope you listen with an open mind. I hope that you think, huh, how could someone with Corby's expertise, knowledge, um, provide value in my life, as well as an incredible book that I read over the summer, uh, Clean Out Your Life Closet. And it's really a self-development project. It's not just about reading a book. But it's actually putting pen to paper and making your your words, your thoughts have meaning and actually provide you with a roadmap on how to get to that next level in your life by cleaning out your closet. You know, I think it's one thing to physically clean out your closet, but what does it look like when you clean out the mental closet, the the baggage closet, the unnecessary stuff in your closet? She gives a new meaning to stuff, I'll tell you that much. But I just found our conversation to be refreshing, enlightening, and um, just downright fun. So I hope you enjoy it as we kick off season two with the Reverend Corby Mitleid. Have a great day. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Hello. Welcome to Braveful, a podcast with and for achieving women. I'm your host, Amy Zeigert. I'm so excited to share with you stories of women who are brave and gutsy. This show is a weekly view into the hearts and minds of what has enabled these fabulous ladies to take a leap and go forward with bold ideas. So join me in an opportunity to listen, learn, and lean in, Braveful style. Corby. And then please pronounce your last name for me. Thank you for asking. Mitleid. Mitleid. Okay. Accent on the first syllable. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I did a little research on you. How? Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> well, yeah. So are you good to go? We can start. We can. Yeah, we our- can. I'm just making sure the hair is out of my face kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So how do you go from being you were theater major, so you're a theater major, and then you you are a very well known psychic medium. Thank you, I'm my I, specialist. That's what they call me. Yep. And then you've written this book that is very unique because there's so many people in this in this space self development. But I loved the title, "Clean Out Your Life Closet," and I'm thinking, my God, what's I can't imagine what's in my life closet. So I guess let's talk about theater major kind of down that road because your combination is extremely intriguing, how you bring it all together. So I'd love for people to know, because clearly this this trio makes you a very braveful woman, because how do you turn those three very unique aspects into something very successful? It's it's kind of like when you give a third grader a rubber boot, a fishing pole, and five pounds of flour, and they win the science fair. Um, <laughs> first, let's start with the 30-second elevator speech about why I do the work I do. 
when I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I just had to go find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and that tells you how old I am. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. Now, we were all hippies then. Elephant bells, fringe jacket, tarot deck. Five years later, everybody else was off to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading the cards. I found them fascinating, and I am by nature a storyteller. So that was cool for 20 years. Okay. Then all of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That was kind of when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for us. Okay. So I hung up my shingle part-time. Meanwhile, the career was very checkered. Actress, author, inspirational speaker, video producer, legal assistant, writer for a graphic novel series, executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing. But this was always on the side. Okay. 9-11, my husband and I watched The Towers Burn. And I turned to him and I said, I have got to do the psychic work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he said, I believe in you go do it. So for a year, I still worked 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter, did the psychic work evenings and weekends till I was sure I could make a living at it and then never looked back. That was in 2002. So I've been doing this uh, 19 years full time, six days a week. So how do you do that? Like, you know, so every time you have a conversation with someone, does does it something interfere with it? You know, is it kind of? No, no, I do not read your head as you walk by me in the deli, please. <laughs> I do manage to have, we're open, we're closed signs. Okay. Because one of the things that people are scared about are what I call drive-by psychic shootings. You know, they see the reality shows with the Long Island medium, which is a exactly. big setup. And yeah. she walks by you in the frozen pizzas and says, excuse me, I have this message from me right door. Is your back tire? It's bold. You're going to die in a week if you don't get it fixed. Just telling you and walks away. That terrifies people. Exactly. That's, That's what I'm not saying. what we do. Not professionals. Even spiritualists, you know, the really good ones from Lilydale, which is a world famous place in Western New York. They would walk up to you and they would say, excuse me. My name is Reverend blah, blah, blah. And I believe I have a message for you. May I come to you? But if your answer is no, it's no. When someone keeps pushing, that means their ego trumps your free will. And that's not how it works. That's powerful. Well, that was the third book that I wrote. You've got the magic who needs a genie. And that's about how to be an A-lister at all of the holistic expos. Because I did 45 weekends a year for 18 years. My nickname was the Travel Channel. So one of the reasons I'm successful is I managed this straddling the twin mountains of wiki-woo, the weird stuff, and business practices. And so that was book number three. Book number two is basically good psychic guidance is an art. Don't settle for a forgery. And that helps keep people safe when they come and have readings with us. So yeah, this is full business. But the first book was self-help because that, the four topics in it, clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. It's what clients kept coming to me with all the time. Really? So, so you took the lessons from your clients and turned it into a book? Not just the lessons from my clients. It's what they want to know about. But okay. that book is also me. We all... I'd, I'd give a hundred bucks cold cash to anybody in the audience who can truthfully prove that they have never bought a self-help book in their freaking life. 
<laughs> they can't. I was going to say, nobody can. I mean, from the time that I was 16, my very first self-help book when I was a teenager in the 70s, I remember the chapter that said, Judy has a beautiful wardrobe and great hair and lovely makeup, but no one will ever like her because Judy's fat. Judy has to lose weight. I mean, this is what we were told in the 60s and early 70s. That was typical. And so we're always told, you don't know enough. You got to find an expert. What do you know? You're just ordinary. So we go to Barnes and Noble or we look on Amazon and there's a book with a great cover and sexy title. And maybe we even flip through a couple of pages and it looks good and we bring it home and then we go, oh my God, she wants me to stop eating food with leptin in it and do yoga at four in the morning. Is she nuts? I'm a school teacher in Milwaukee with two kids, not happening. So (laughs) I wrote this book with the idea that you basically write it with me and that you're going to write your own story of change based on your history, your life experiences, and your personal goals. So how do we do that? Each chapter, I tell you some of the stupid things I did. Then I talk about a client who dealt with the same thing. Then I'll give you a couple of things to think about. But the key to this whole book is the adventure pages. The adventure pages are at the end of each chapter, and there are no correct answers, only yours. For instance, I talk about life, living life as a tiny house. So the questions are, how do you view stuff? How do you view your stuff in particular? How does your stuff serve you? Is there stuff that merely gets in the way? If so, what specific stuff is it? And how do you hinder it? How does it hinder you? Which of the six questions about stuff gave you the most insight on your stuff situation? Now, you can't flip through the book. Right. Like Cliff Notes and find the right answer. You must look at your own life. So by the end of the book, if you do the questions at the end of each chapter, this is now your personal manual. And you and your best bud could buy my book at the same time. And if you both did it, at the end of it, each of you would have a different personal manual because you know what speaks to you. You can't get it wrong. How did you come up with that idea? That seems so easy. Because I bought self-help books and couldn't stand them. (laughs) You don't like something, fix it. So I did. So then do you do coaching as well? When I do my readings, a lot of it is coaching. Okay. You know, it's I am not a fortune teller. I'm not a Madam Hoo-Ha or a Swami Swalanda. And I make that very clear. My whole gig is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. For instance, if you said, all right, I'm opening up my own podcasting company, I would not flip a couple of cards and say, wait until October and fire the second redhead. What the hell? There would be a card for you, a card for any partners you have. A card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know, and best possible outcome. So the point is, A, I used to be an executive recruiter. I know how to cancel people for, you know, years in careers. So why not take that knowledge and help them look at what's ahead for them? Now, there are times when it really is left of center. There's a particular card. It's called the Three of Pentacles. And it usually shows somebody working on a stained glass window in a church. And it means long-term. It means mastering. But I looked at that card a few years back in Kitchener, Ontario. And 
I looked at the couple sitting with me and just what came out of the mouth is there is a deconsecrated or abandoned church that you know about that you need to use for your cafe bakery, which they hadn't told me. And they look at each other and they look at me and they say, oh, yeah, we know which one. We've been arguing for two years. That's when spirit goes, tell them this. But what I also remind people is, remember, even the best of us are 85 percent accurate. The only one 100 percent accurate is God. And he's not doing psychic fillers this week. And if he is, you're probably not hanging out on earth. Mm, no, no. He's got, he's got the corner booth that you pay the extra money for. <laughs> Interesting. So that's how you bring it all together. Mm-hmm. I am your priest inspirer storyteller. So what's the hardest part about doing that? The exhaustion level. It's less now. But when I was on the road, my favorite shows were in Kitchener, Ontario. And in Canada, they'll very often do four-day shows because they have those one-day holidays, you know, Victoria Day, Labor Day, things like that. Yeah. So I would be in my booth Friday, 3 to 9, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 9, Monday, 10 to 6. And I would read about 70 people in a weekend and do two lectures. Now, while I'm doing it, I get a reader's high. I do. I love doing the work. But, you know, you wheel me in a body bag back to the B&B every night. What people don't really get is when we do this work, we are so completely and totally focused on you. One point focus and all of our compassion is on the table. And you get up after a half an hour of my helping figure out your life and the next one sits down and I have to immediately do a brain core dump and focus on them. It is never about us. It's about you guys. So what part brings you joy? Well, when... Someone writes to me the way someone did last night. I did an hour's reading with them and it was, hi, Corby, I wanted to thank you for working with me. I found it tremendously helpful. I also appreciated the resources and especially the recording. I've listened to it twice already. Knowing now that you are Doris in Robert Schwartz's book, I feel like my story is similar to yours. You made me feel so comfortable talking to you. Thank you for that. That's what. I make a difference in people's lives. I always say I've lived the examined life. I'm a natural teacher. Whatever I go through could suck. You know, three-time breast cancer dancer sucked. But you get through it, and then how can you teach with it and you pass on the information? God, your positive outlook is out of control. I mean, a lot of people get cancer, and they come to me, and they're scared. And I say, okay, you're not going to fight cancer. Because what, what you fight fights back. And you're not going to be a survivor. And they panic. And I said, wait. Because survivors hang on by teeth and toenails. And you're going to do more than that. You're going to learn to be a cancer dancer. You're going to find out how graceful you can be under pressure. You avoid getting your toes stepped on. And you get off the dance floor in one piece. I danced with breast cancer three times. Third time was the second primary. And they took me from a Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects. I had no choice. I had to figure out what to do. And so I used some of the lessons that I learned at a fabulous place called the Option Institute in Massachusetts. I knew I had to find three reasons to be okay with it. Number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Number two, they're not going to get slammed at the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows exactly what I'm saying about that. Third, implants. Cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. So when they wheeled me into the OR and I was hopped up on fentanyl and Versed, really great drugs, put you at the field, left field and space cadet. I had two surgeons, the oncological surgeon who had the personality of a turnip 
and my wonderful plastic surgeon, whom we call Madame Artiste and Doc Miracle, because she isn't, she made them. So I said to the turnip, you got three hours for the demolition work. And I turned to Dr. Hurdle and he said, you got three hours for the front end alignment. I want to be out here in six. Boom. I was out of Mass General in three days, shopped for a bathing suit in five. They said they had never seen anybody recover that fast from a double master reconstruction in 15 years. That was 2004. Here I am in 2021. Boom. And you're clean and clear. Mm -hmm. So let's talk Option Institute. Wow. I started going to them in 1983 when they first opened. I haven't been back in 10 years. I have gotten everything that I need from them. Oh, yeah. Bear's coffee is amazing. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But you can tell from my personality a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. Bears and drag. Bears and drag. But what they taught me, which I use for my clients, is you've got to remember life is three questions. Mm. What do you X about? X is angry, upset, scared, yeah. whatever. Why are you X about that? Yeah. And the question we never ask ourselves, what do I think would happen if I stopped being X about that? You know, I teach people to be a Martian detective that way. Right. Those three questions changed my life because when I went there, I was ready to file for divorce and I was pretty much done. And my mother-in-law, or she would say, my mother in love, may she rest mm -hmm. in peace. She would, she's the one that said, you need to go to the Option Institute. And I was, what was I, 33 years old? It was quite a while ago. And um, it changed my life. Those three questions yes. made a world of difference to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny. As far as I know, I am the only professional psychic who has gone there more I than once it. because, you know, they feel intuition is just fast logic. And in many ways, my business does not jibe with theirs. But your three questions do. Yes. Yes. So that tells me that your practice is mm -hmm. transformable across many different lines. And the fact that you are engaging your audience with your book by saying it takes two to tango on this self-help lesson, that you have to be, you can't just read the words, you have to write the words, you have yes. to participate in that. And yes. that to me, that speaks volumes. Yep. One of the other things that my clients like is I'm very real. You know, I, I laugh and I say, I'm not someone who thinks her aura don't stink. I don't tell people that, you know, I've had 14 different relations who do this, that I'm the only one you should go to, right. that I can solve all your problems. You know, that's, that's what gets us into trouble. It really does. Right. And I think that my clients specifically like the fact that I am real and wow. therefore I can appreciate what they're going through. Well, and I also think what I find very comforting in this conversation is that you're upfront about your ability to be a psychic. You're upfront and you let people know that this isn't, I'm not a circus act. I'm not part of the, the fair down the road. If we ever, no. again, that no. you, you actually take that intuition and turn it into something that can be used to help them. And I remind them they can do what I do. I'm not special. We're all wired the same way. Right. The example I use, we all have 10 fingers. Everybody can play chopsticks. Some of us devote a lot of time to scales and practicing, and we can get pretty good. And then there's one in a million in there, Elton John. But right. we all have 10 fingers. 
Very interesting. So your book, Clean Out Your Life Closet. So you're writing your story. You're sharing that story. What do people do if they get stuck? Define stuck. And are they talking to me or just in their life? They're talking to you. If somebody is working on a chapter and they go, maybe they don't want to talk about it. Maybe they don't want to acknowledge it. Um, Do you have, what do you tell people? Because I mean, let's face it, even though they're writing it down, some things may not, they may not want to write down because they don't want it. Because once it's on paper, it's almost as if it's, it's a living, breathing thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't want that. That's called free will. You Mm -hmm. know, I am not there to tell them what they have to do. Okay. You can take anti-anxiety meds. You can talk to a shrink. You can do my book. You can go to a silent retreat at Kripalu. Whatever it takes for you to do, it's okay. I offer a possibility, not the only possibility. And that's the other thing. If you're going to be a good intuitive like me, you can't have an ego about it. Because if you have an ego about it, you're going to be afraid to tell people some things, you know, or am I going to get it wrong? It sounds so weird in my head, like the thing about the cafe bakery. Have you ever had anybody just go, you're crazy, you're not right, no way, uh uh-uh? Of course, of course. What do you say back to them? Um, Okay, we're not connecting. Give them their money back as long as it's within the first five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. You don't sit with me for an hour and then say it was all horse hockey, just like you don't go to all the Harry Potter movies and say, I don't believe in muggles, where's my money back? One of my favorite stories about that, back to Kitchener, there was a woman that I saw some challenges for and I told her. And she gets up and she goes, you suck. And she walks away. Next time I'm back in Kitchener, who's the first person in my chair? And she says, last time I said you sucked. And I said, yes, I remember. Because you told me that I was going to take in a border and then I was going to want to sell my house. And then I thought that was all bull. But my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And so I'm going to sell my house to help raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you see. Don't shoot the messenger, man. (laughs) So have you ever thought about writing a book just about your stories? That's a little bit about the psychic yellow brick road. Okay. And frankly, a lot of psychics have read this book and laughed and said, God, I wish I had this book when I was starting out. Because there's one chapter called When Getting a Reading Won't Help. (laughs) And the thing we get, the client feels they absolutely must hear a certain answer to a question. And they keep pushing. Does Bruce love me? No. Does he ever think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? He's not. Well, if he isn't going to call soon, will he call later? Notice that she keeps beating on me in the hopes that finally I'll just say exhaustedly, yes, yes, he loves you and he wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. Uh Uh-uh. I've done stand-up comedy about you think a psychic's life is easy. I'm serious. (laughs) that's where the theater comes into play exactly so exactly so oh my gosh I remember when I after I graduated college I got a job in New York City and I went out there and we um we were down in Atlantic City no yeah was Atlantic City did the boardwalk and of course you know here I'm Midwest girl I'm out on the east coast spreading my wings at 22 and they're like come on we're gonna go see a psychic I'm like and so went, and I'll never forget, all she said to me is, when you get old, you're going to have bladder problems. <laughs> and I thought, 
That is not what a 22 year old girl wants to hear. No, I mean, there was a, there was a very well-known psychic. He was on circuit with me for years. And the first time he met me, it was a week before my wedding. And he shook my hand and he goes, oh, stomach cancer. You're going to have two years of it and it's going to be hell to get rid of. What? Now that was another drive-by shooting. He was completely wrong. But it even freaked me out for a year until I got rid of that energy in my head. Wow. So it even freaks you out. I mean, so you're not. Something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why I will not go to a, a reader unless I really, really know him and trust him. And the couple of people that I go to, one of them is my buddy, Stacy Wells out in Arizona, best medical intuitive in the U.S. She's the one that spotted the microcalcifications on my mammogram when the doctors missed it. Bernadette Carter King down in Florida, absolutely genius, genius medium and reader. Crystal Wind, my, my old buddy, she's a certified tarot master like me, uh, Egyptologist and bang on. When someone says, well, why don't we just trade readings? I usually will read for them so they know my method and say, I, I don't need a reading. Thank you. Because if you don't need a reading, don't go get one. Don't let somebody go right. paddling around in your brain pan. That's interesting. We should learn that more about everyday life, not just with mm-hmm. a reader. Don't let people get into your mind and do whatever they're going to do to drive yeah. you crazy. Yeah. And you really do have to do your research ahead of time. You got to check testimonials. You got to see what their specialties are. You got to, if you can't see what their methods are. Some people like what I call glurpy purple with angels. Hi, let's see what your angels are going to say today. And that makes me want to vomit. Me, I'm New York in your head. Boom. When somebody sits down with me, I will say to them, what is the most important thing you want to walk out of here knowing? And if they go blank on me, I'll go Brooklyn on them and go, darling, what's biting your butt? Because you say that and everybody will have at least one thing. And that's what we work on. So from a business perspective, are there people that come in and say, am I going to be CEO? Am I going to be running a company? Am I, you know, when it's really there, isn't that in their control and not in, in the universe's control? Well, it's both, really. You know, it's the old joke about, God save me. And he ignores the boat and the helicopter. And when he dies and drowns, he goes to heaven. Why didn't you save me, God? And God says, I sent you the boat and the helicopter. Why didn't you take them? I have clients out in California who run an IT business. They've been my clients for several years. And they'll call when they're looking at ways to tweak the company, when they want to know, is a particular client going to fit? There's a possible merger. And I show them all of the stuff. And I must be doing something, right? Because they've come back, what, six, seven years now. In fact, when the son was going to get married, we even looked at all of the venues and the honeymoon places. And I did a reading on that, boom, on target. So, but because I did business, I love helping somebody be successful like that. So if people wanted to reach out to you, I mean, so I'm assuming you're doing, even with COVID, that you are still able to do readings, have people. Oh, my business picked up last year. You know, um, I was on the road, like I said, and then the universe must have sent something down the pike because they said, all right, we're going to have to handle this. And in July of 2019, I had a herniated disc and pinched nerves and baby that makes childbirth look like a tea party. I've I've had three back surgeries. I'm with you. You go. Yeah. So the doctors got it pretty much fixed, but then said to me, your days are done. No more 10 hours in the car, no more loading in, loading out. So I had six months to transition my entire business online before we started the big bug adventure in the year of hold my beer. Yeah. 
So, you know, yeah, now my business, will I do, I'll do a local fair, you know, like Saratoga Springs is an hour and a half from me. Yep. I'll do those. And I'll do corporate events. I'll do private parties. Okay. But most of the work is online. I mean, you have clients all over the world. Somebody from Brazil is not going to want to come up here to Schoharie County with the sheep and the cows. They're just not. <laughs> and they they probably couldn't get here now anyway. There's that too. Wow. So so you are available online. So people, if somebody wanted to come and say, hey, Corby, let's talk. What do they have to do? Do they have to prep? Do they have to do anything? Depends on what the reading is. They go right to my website and they'll see I do... 15, 20 different kinds of readings, depending on whether it's general. That's the everyday tour bus. (laughs) I do consults, brainstorm your business, create your sentence of passion. The biggest one I do is something called your soul plan. I was the past life specialist for Robert Schwartz in his book series, uh, Your Soul's Plan, Your Soul's Gift, and the new one just came out, Your Soul's Love. And I also apparently have a talent for channeling your higher self, your soul for you to talk to, which I didn't know before I did the book. Now, one of the reasons I'm his past life specialist is my particular combination of stuff. Okay. Theater major, storyteller, and I love history. My husband and I met at the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome. And as he says, there was this gorgeous brunette who knew the difference between a Fokker Dr. one and an F1 based on the wings kids had to marry her. So two of us see a past life of yours. One person might say, well, it's a big hat and a long skirt, so I know it's old-fashioned. I can go hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather you're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. We're talking Berlin in 1911. Now, which one's going to give you more information? God uses what we're good at. That's, that's how we get our specialties. I have a slight benign tremor in one hand, kind of like Catherine Hepburn. So I don't trust a pendulum because I don't know if that's me or that's the pendulum but the past lives I can do. Cards, I love telling the stories. And it's not just tarot, but I also use several different Oracle decks. Each one has a purpose, including the deck I have for kids. Because when I'm at a show, if a mom can't put her kids somewhere and the kid's sitting with her and the kid is clamoring, I want to pull a card, I want to pull a card. Okay, fine. You give that kid a chance to pull a card from a tarot deck. What are you going to do when it's, oh, look, Timmy, the death card. You can't do that. So this is called Cat Wisdom, and it's got adorable little kitties and puppies, and it says things like security, and it shows a mommy cat and the baby kittens. Aww. So you can give the kid the reading, and the mother is mouthing, thank you, thank you, and the kid's not going to have nightmares. This is, all, again, part of being a professional. I know I'm, I'm wandering a little right, bit. No, but okay. So what do you do when you do pull the death card? All right. There are three cards that weird out rookies, death, the devil, and the tower. When they come up, I explain to people, don't worry because that ain't what it means. All right. Okay, so so let's, let's take the death card. Okay. The death card is about death of an old way of life, death of what you've outgrown, and death of what was not you in the first place. Okay. What's the devil card? Constantly bedeviled by something, someone, or some situation, or holding yourself back from your highest and best. It's not Mr. Horns in a Tail. Sadly, it's not even Tom Ellis and Lucifer, as gorgeous as he is. <laughs> then you have the tower card. People see this and think doom, gloom, and destruction. I say, no, no, no. It's more like the imploding sports stadium. Yankees want to build a new stadium. They got to blow up the old one first, right? So it says there are going to be some structures in your life that have to 
get 86, as the old waitress said, but you can build new, stronger, better. The tower card is what happened to my career in 2019. Stronger, better. Wow. You really don't want one of the fakes, the fake gypsies to go, oh, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four. You have dog. $50 every family member. 25 for dog. He's small. We fix. And then she says, if you don't burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic Church, I bless real good. Only $1 candle. Your entire family is going to die in a car accident. That literally happened in Canada. And it's why I wrote the Psychic Yellow Brick Road, because a woman took the bait, walked out of the booth, $400 lighter, and there was nothing we could do as other readers, except make sure that in the future, people don't fall for that kind of thing. Unbelievable. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there, I guess there's a bad apple in every industry. I mean, I'm in sales, so there's always, you know, get compared to something. You know, it's like you could buy the psychic yellow brick road and never come to me. And I would be perfectly fine with that because all boats rise. You go to a good psychic, you'll tell other people and people will start to trust us. You have a Madam Hoo-Ha experience. You're going to tell everyone how horrible we are. And that feeds the typical narrative. Right. Wow. So for women who are in business, what's like the ideal reading for women who are struggling or women who want to get ahead? And like you think about the Me Too movement. Unless they, they're doing, if it's an entrepreneur, then I do the, my entrepreneur thing, building your, your business. But if it's just, how am I doing at work? I just grab the cards. Them, their immediate boss, their boss's boss, all the way up to whoever is God. Other people they work with, clients if they work with them. Okay. Politics, finances, what they need to know and best possible outcome. Yeah, I, I, I could have used you last fall. <laughs> Sorry, darling. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I could have used that last fall when, yeah, I just. Damn. Yeah, but now I know. Oh my God. I, so now I have to go read it, clean out your life closet. I'm going to go buy it for a friend and we're going to write a book or we can take it and write a book. Sure. Yeah. So, all right. I, I, I mean, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to go, but we're going to go. So give me, are there three books that have changed your life? Okay. One of them, of course was Barry Neal Kaufman's Happiness is a Choice. Yeah. I have given away more copies of that than I could possibly tell you. The next one, Stumbling Toward Enlightenment by Jerry Larkin. Ooh. Jerry Larkin was a high-level executive type who started meditating because she had a twitch in one eye. She is now a beloved legend of a Dharma teacher. And she gets us. She really does. That to a Dharma teacher. You got to read the book. Okay, But anyone who has books called Stumbling Toward Enlightenment, The Chocolate Cake Sutra, Tap Dancing in Zen, First You Shave Your Head, this woman gets us. She's a magnificent writer. Wow. And believe it or not, the third book is not a book, but it's a series. And it's a young adult series called The Young Wizards by Diane Duane. Because this is not Harry Potter, Wave Your Wand. This is... You want to go to the moon, you have to calculate how much oxygen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's science and magic. And the idea is you sign on to a very perilous and dangerous life when you do this. You know it. And so I have above my desk the wizard's oath, and that's how I live. In life's name and for life's sake, I assert that I will employ the art, which is its gift in life's service alone, rejecting all 
other usages. I will guard growth in ease pain. I will fight to preserve what grows and lives well in its own way, nor will I change any creature unless its growth and life or that of the system of which it is part is threatened or threaten another. To these ends, in the practice of my art, I will ever put aside fear for courage and death for life when it is right to do so. Looking always towards the heart of time, where all our sundered times are one and all our myriad worlds lie whole in the one from whom they proceeded. It's gorgeous. It's my work. It's how I live. And God bless Diane Duane for writing that. Wow. That is a beautiful... It's gorgeous and profound. And it says something about that which you are doing. Yes, it does. What about people who who may have this gift but don't want the gift? It's their choice. Yeah, that... It is yeah. their choice. Yeah, because they're... You know, I, I remember saying to someone years ago... As a woman, we must always follow our intuition because I think intuition never fails you. But you don't have to make a business of it. Correct. But to this day, I truly believe that because I think my intuition has helped me make some good choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, there are times, you know, just based upon age and immaturity, I didn't make good choices. But yeah, I think and to have that gift, I think is something that you shouldn't abuse. And I think you, you don't abuse that. You are using it to help others and to help others grow and thrive, not just survive, which I think is, is, is huge. It's like John Holland said, I went to one of his master mediumship classes in Maine several years ago. It ain't you, honey. You're just the tube it comes through, which keeps the ego on the shelf. Yeah, because what part of the ego involved helps the person on the other end? I mean... It doesn't. It doesn't. But when psychics are worried about, are people going to laugh at me? Or uh, people better say I'm good, so I better be right. Or they're at a psychic fair and, wow, she's getting all the readings and I'm not. You know, maybe I have to change what I'm telling people. Right, right. Yeah, I know selfishly myself, you know, the last time I went to anyone, it was to find out what had happened to loved ones. And I always felt, I felt like I was taking and I wonder, does it ever help to have the person you're give that you're giving the reading to, can they ever give anything back to you to help fill you back up versus being so spent when you're done? To be perfectly honest, they pay me because what that does is that allows me to do this work full time. Okay. There are people that still say, this is a spiritual gift. You shouldn't be charging. You're selfish. No. Booth fee can be as much as $1,000. Road costs. Pay my front person. Right. You're getting almost 50 years of experience. Bet your padunies that you're going to pay for it. I'm not going to charge you $60,000. I can't but I have even to be able imagine. to make a living. I can't imagine you offering a service and people asking you to do it for free. I mean, the priest it, still paid. Hey, it's in Psychic Yellow Brick Road under a chapter called Pay Fair to Play Fair. These are some of the things that people say to me and they expect to get away with it. How about doing a reading for less? At least you're getting paid. Can my friend and I have a reading together and only pay for one? Here, do a free reading for me. And if I'm impressed, I'll tell all my friends about you. Wow, that's a lot. But I really want a reading stands there, watches me, waiting for me to offer them a deal. And why won't you give me a free reading? You're just greedy. You're not very spiritual. But then I tell people, 
turn this around to your hairstylist. How about doing a cut for less money? At least you're not standing around. To the plumber. How about you change the pipes in my bathroom sink and replace my dishwasher, but I only pay for one service call? To the cleaner. Clean my house a few times for free, and if you're really good, I'll tell everyone. To the dress shop owner. Wow, that's a lot for that dress, but I really want it for my party. Stop, stare, wait. And to the doctor. Why won't you see me for free? You'd rather I just got sick and died. You're not very compassionate. And when you put it that way, they go, oh, that's crazy. Of course not. I said, same thing. Yeah. It sometimes takes that to give them the clue brick upside the head. Wow. Well, this has been really eye-opening to see how an intuitive can help women achieve more to be better. And again, participate in writing their own story with a nudge from you is pretty powerful. So any anything in closing that you'd like to share with everybody? Yeah, I will share both my motto and my sentence of passion. Oh, I love it. My, your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do. It's, it's your vapor trail. Okay. When you go skid into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank and God hands you a beer and says, so you say, I did this. Isn't it cool? So my sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fearlessness, from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B, when they thought they couldn't make it, whack them on their shoulders, say, here are your wings. You don't need a flight plan. Now get, I'm living my bliss. But that's what I say to the world. My motto is me. I have two. The official one is live the examined life, which we talked about. And the private one is my favorite quote from a Robert Heinlein book called Time Enough for Love. In life, moderation is from monks. Take big bites. I love it. I would say your personality, you are taking big bites every moment of every day. I try. Especially when you were handed three times the dance with cancer and you have overcome that. And not only that, you're also taking your passion and doing what you love and turning it into a respectable profession. Exactly. So you have changed my thought process on what a true intuitive is. And and I had the luxury of meeting an intuitive who does art. And the picture she is going to be doing for me was so spot on. I feel as if there's a higher universe, not necessarily God, but there's so many other people, whether they're here now or have passed on, that truly are caring and looking out for us. And we just have to choose to be open-minded and understanding about that. Exactly right. You know, it's so it's, it's ironic. I live in in an old farmhouse and um, I had somebody after we moved here a couple of years ago, I had somebody come and I wanted to have some electrical work done and he shows up and he goes, Oh my God, I've been here before. I said, Oh, you have. He goes, yeah. He goes, I just want to know, have you ever seen the ghost lady up, up in the, this bedroom above the garage? I said, no, I haven't. And so he goes, well, if you see her, I'd like her to do, do some work for me. And I thought, if I see her, I'm not sure I'm going to ask her to do any work. (laughs) Yeah. So so clearly we must be doing something right because she's never, I've never seen her. So I I just kind of, and that was my other thought about what you might think of someone in your role is that you're going to come out and you're going to get rid of all the 
the spookies and whatever is running around your house, if there's anything. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to enjoy. If somebody wants to come live with me and they're nice, I'm just going to enjoy them. You know, who am I to judge? So, yeah. So you have also changed my whole thought process on that as well. I'm delighted. Yeah. So thank you. Oh my gosh. I hope I'm going to send people to go buy your books. I want people to contact you if they want to learn more about the gift that you are giving back out to the universe because it shouldn't be wasted. I'm very intrigued and I think I'm going to have to, I'll have to do, I think I'm going to have to do a reading and then I'll have to report back to everybody. As we say in New York, we'll talk, we'll have coffee, you know. We'll have virtual coffee. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful for the opportunity to listen and learn from such great women. So if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did, please feel free to share Braveful podcast with your friends and colleagues, as well as please subscribe to Braveful on your favorite podcast apps. Have the best day ever. And until next time, be Braveful.